Rest is not lazy. It takes courage in a culture that is convinced that hustle is better to dare to pause and go about things in a more productive, sustainable, and frankly, more scientifically proven to be effective kind of way. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hey there. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly. And I'm getting the sweats over here a little bit because I'm about to do something I always ask my clients or students, heck, even my friends and loved ones to do. And now I get to practice it too. I ask them to suspend humility and tell me one thing they are doing well or one thing that is working that's a cause for acknowledgement. Big or small, it doesn't matter. It's just that... For many of us high achievers, it's just so easy to lead with what we want to do next or what we're trying to get better at or what we're frustrated with or what we still want to learn or improve upon. And that's all good. Goals are great. But I also want to hear the fullness of who you are and what's already working, right? For a high achiever, for every 20 things we still want to get to, we've probably done 20,000. Well, here's what's been working for me for years. Clients talk about it and they call it the quote Carly magic. And it's about how I'm able to get clear right to the heart of the matter that they've been wrestling with something that's been sticky or tricky for a while. And together we're able to create a path forward that feels wildly true and doable for them that unites their career with their health and their relationships. So they're not getting pulled in all these different directions. Now, here's the thing about that. My ego beams a little bit when people say Carly magic. Because, you know, that's nice, you know, for my ego. But you know what's also true? There's really a method going on here. It's not just magic. It's a method I didn't really understand for a long time that makes these kinds of results possible. And when I say I didn't understand that I was doing it, it was because it wasn't something I was taught in business school 20 years ago or by most of my professional colleagues. So I didn't see it as valuable. In fact, I saw it as a flaw. Ready? Here we go. Drum roll. I owe a tremendous part of my success and prosperity to rest. Rest, R-E-S-T, and generally doing less than many folks in my field. Now, let me be clear. I do enough. There's not a lot of lazy bones in my body unless it's Christmas time because then I am super lazy about gift shopping. That does not motivate me. I'm usually trying to talk to my loved ones into skipping the gifts so we can all just hang out together rather than having to hunt for things in stores. But when I say I do less, I mean I do far less busy work than most of my colleagues, tons less, and it works wonders. Because what I've come to find in a saturated and competitive market is that one way to stand out and be the person other people want to be around or hire or collaborate with or give opportunities is just to be 
the slightly more rested than average person in the room. Because a rested woman is rare and she shines. <laughs> she stands out. They downright beam. Rested people are genuinely present. They can really listen. They can discern what is false urgency and what is actually important. And then they just do more of the important stuff, not trying to do all the things. But I'm not the only one like this. Lots of women are leveraging rest as one of their most valuable professional tools we've got. So this month, smack dab in the middle of summer where I live in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going to map out a way for you to have a little more rest if you're in the market for that without the good things in your life falling apart. The entire theme of this month of July is cultivating rest as a practice that takes us from amateur to pro in our careers, our health, and our relationship. So here's what we're going to cover specifically today as we kick this month of professional rest off. Number one, I'm going to share a rather hard but hopefully helpful story about the time I was knocked to my knees that finally got me to rest more and how when I did, I also started earning more. And then we're going to go over a few other specific things. Number one, the consequences of not getting enough rest. Number two, a few key benefits of getting quality rest. And then number three, I'm going to explain why rest isn't about getting more sleep. It's about getting more rest. (laughs) There are other types of rest than just sleep. In fact, there's six other types. So we're going to go over the seven types of rest so that you can see which one is applicable for you. And then finally, we're going to talk specifically for a moment about resting in relationships. This is a really fascinating awareness to have about how certain relationships can be a place of restful connectivity and the antidote to busyness in our kind of work-obsessed culture. So if you're like me 15 years ago, or even to this day from time to time when I fall off the rest wagon, and you're thinking, geez, Louise, Carly, Of course, I want to rest more, but when am I supposed to have the time to do that? Everyone is counting on me. Or if when you do get moments to yourself, your mind is still racing, so it doesn't feel restful at all. Don't worry. I've got you covered. First of all, we're going to talk about ways to rest that don't necessarily involve sitting still, but also know that you can go back after this episode and listen to episode 30 on reclaiming your time, the three B words that give women back their time and energy. That'll give you the extra wiggle room to have rest. Or episode 32, curing the knee jerk, yes, doable boundaries that'll set you free, was when Nancy Levin, the author of Boundaries That Will Set You Free, came to join us. And this was another great episode for helping you reclaim time. So I will put links to both of these episodes in the show notes, or you can find them wherever you get your podcast. And the same applies for all the research that I'm going to cite today. If I mention an article, a publication, another person, just know that you can find the detailed breakdown on all of that with the show notes wherever you're listening in. Because rest only helps if we can actually have the time to do it, right? So before we dive in, this is where I get to pause and do my favorite part of the show, the shout out. And today, if my voice sounds a little extra excited, 
It's because I'm giving a shout out to Rec Philly. This is a place for creators headquartered in Philadelphia, PA, and it is the space I am in right now recording this episode. That's right. If you've been with me for a little while, after 15 months of us recording Messy and Magnificent in my closet during COVID, I am over the moon <laughs> to be back in the studio. There are windows here and lights and other inspiring people to be around. It is a dream come true for me. Now, there are many things I appreciate about Rec. Two of them are their motto that independent doesn't mean having to be alone. I love that. Just like us here at Messy Magnificent, they are all about creating community and they too don't want to see any more starving artists. I couldn't agree more. I just love seeing my clients prosper while they get to do what gives them life because ideally we shouldn't have to choose between joy and financial stability. And so I am celebrating the ways that Rec is showing up for people in the world. If you want to see clips of what it actually looks like for me here, come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm giving you all the behind the scenes of what it's like to be in this new space or check them out at RecPhilly.com. I'll keep you posted about what it's like as I learn the ropes in this new space and maybe, if I'm lucky, even make some friends in this new city. So speaking of friends, I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review and I can read it aloud or you can email a quick voice memo to Anitza at everybodythrive.com and we'll share your actual voice in an upcoming episode. You are the reason I keep creating new episodes every week. You. <laughs> You are the reason we continue to do this without any pauses going directly to the closet during COVID when we had to, because your voice, your goals, your curiosity, your joy, your passion, your interests, they matter to me and to our global community big time. And we really do rise well together. So I hope you'll pause and either leave that review on iTunes or send a quick voice memo to Anitza so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time, or energy, or money, or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. They're something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. 
There's nothing for sale in there. (laughs) Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. So it was about five years ago, maybe six, when I had decided to get off the road from being the live-in coach to one high-profile client at a time and figure out a way to begin to get a little bit more rest myself. I was afraid that I was nearing the edge of burnout. I had no idea that like many driven folks, I had long actually been completely burned out, but had adapted to it and was operating in a way that was less than functional without even being aware of it. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But what happened when I made the switch was that my former fiance ended up getting very sick and passing away within a two week span of time. It was quite quickly. And in that moment, I was so rocked to my core. So I was doing a complete shift of my business model, taking what felt like a huge leap in that moment, having no idea if I could reposition my business to still be financially viable if I wasn't having to travel with all of my clients. And then this major life event happened. And me, the person who always has it all together, or at least looked that way, couldn't even fake having it together. I remember just being entirely useless. One dear friend came over to scoop me off the floor. Other dear friends made me meals or sat with me. And I remember being terrified, thinking there is no way that I can show up and do extra right now to get this business repivoted. Is everything going to fall apart? Like what's going to happen? And so what I did was I scaled back to the absolute essentials. I was able to continue to show up for a few core clients, but I stopped doing all the extra things, all the additional project and goals that I had. It just, it had to be tabled. There was no way around it. And what was fascinating was at the end of that year, we had made significantly more revenue than the year prior. And not only did things not fall apart, but we had streamlined the entire business. Now, rather than needing to do many things, we were very clear on the three main things that we were going to focus on. And it turned out that by clearing out that busy work, we did so much more of what actually really mattered. And I share that story because it's an extreme circumstance, right? But it's also a great example of being forced to take a break. And a lot of us have brushed up against something like that. Sometimes we can have the foresight to sense that rest is necessary, and we might even take it. But other times we sense perhaps some of the behaviors that you and I are about to go over here in a minute are cropping up, and they're not really serving us, but we still have the tendency to try to push on through for fear that things might fall apart or that we might fall behind or that something important won't get done. And none of that has been proven to be the case. So let's talk first and foremost about the consequences of not getting rest because no big surprise here. It turns out that the effects of lack of sleep or rest are more detrimental for women than men. Now I'm using some of the research here around sleep and rest interchangeably because there's a lot of common ground, but really there are many ways to rest that don't involve sleep. And we are going to cover that in a moment. But there was a great article in the Scientific American where they talked about how the science of sleep is woefully incomplete 
not least because research on the topic has long been ignored by half of the population. So for decades, sleep studies have mostly only enrolled men. But we know now that hormones are a major factor. Estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, they can all influence the chemical symptoms in our brains that regulate sleep or feeling more alert. And so what we're finding, especially during times of hormonal change, such as puberty, pregnancy, and menopause, or moments of stress, women are at an increased risk for having sleep disorders. And so the National Academy of Sciences found that when women do sleep poorly, they have a harder time focusing than sleep-deprived men do. They're also more likely than men to get injured working overnight shifts, like graveyard shifts. And additionally, sleep deprivation affects cognitive ability when we're younger, more in girls than in boys. And Duke University found that women who report sleepless nights have a greater health risk for health problems than men. Dr. Edward Suarez, who is part of research team at Duke University Medical Center, found that women who reported unhealthy sleep are at an elevated risk for things like heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and depression. Now, depression is a significant clinical diagnosis, right? But there's also just this low-scale feeling of being like we're always behind, like we're not doing enough, like things are falling apart. And I know it was in college when I first started to ask myself, okay, is everything actually falling apart here or do I just need a nap? right? Is my business going haywire or do I just need to sit still for 20 minutes or go for a walk? And so often when I would take just a small moment to myself, everything would begin to soften around the edges. Things that felt crisis level were often not. And I could begin to feel like I could manage them, like I could check them off the list. So the moral of the story here is that rest and sleep matters for everyone, regardless of gender identity. But specifically, if you identify as being a woman or somebody whose body is making significant estrogen or progesterone, that these are things to really take with some awareness. That lack of rest and lack of sleep can be really messing with our game. And much like I was referencing myself earlier, if you've adapted to running habitually with a lack of the rest your body needs, you might not even be fully cognitively aware of how much you're missing out on because you haven't experienced yourself at your best in a while. So let's talk about a few key benefits of getting quality rest, especially when it comes to being a leader in your world. And when I say leader, perhaps you run a company, perhaps you run a company of one, perhaps you're just the leader in your household, or you want to be the leader in your own day. What we're finding, and Christopher M. Barnes for the Harvard Business Review wrote a great article that corroborates that, Sleep Better, Lead Better, is that sleep allows us to consolidate more stored memories, which makes our cognitive functioning a lot better. It's also allowing us to process our emotional experience. And we replenish the glucose, the molecules that fuel our brain, And we also clear out beta amyloid. This is that waste product that builds up. We see this a lot in Alzheimer's patients, but it can really disrupt cognitive activity for anybody. So this rest time is crucial just on a biological level. If you want to be the leader in your days, 
It's also been shown in many studies to make leaders far more effective at motivating, inspiring, or forming teams. Whereas leaders who don't get enough rest are more likely to lose their patience with their employees or act in abusive ways. Or, and I thought this was really interesting, leaders who don't get enough rest are perceived as 13% less charismatic on average. Isn't that fascinating? Other people are picking up on the fact that we're not getting enough sleep when we're not. And they're finding us less pleasurable or inspiring to be around. Now, what's really fascinating is that there's a rippling out effect when there's a lack of sleep by the leader. So when the main person is not getting the rest that they need, what we also find is that their subordinates or the folks around them will also be more likely to suffer from sleep deprivation and even be swayed to behave in more unethical ways. Isn't this fascinating? There is lots of evidence that a lack of sleep is directly linked to lapses in ethics. Now, this actually makes a lot of sense to me when I hear about it, because when I've had a lack of sleep, I can make all sorts of lapses, (laughs) lapses in memory, lapses in judgment, lapses in tone and in mood, I think it's really interesting that there's also a sense of breakdown in terms of ethics when we're seeing lapses. And so we can make sense that in corporate cultures or really any dynamic, nonprofits do this also, where we burn our people into the ground, expecting them to work around the clock without the rest they really need, that they would begin to make poor choices, perhaps in part because the brain is not functioning at the same cognitive level that it would be if we got the rest that we needed. So let's talk here for a moment about why when I say rest, I don't just mean sleep. There are seven main types of rest, sleep being one of them. But I want to think about it like this, because there are so many places where rest is the norm. For example, when a band is giving a performance, they might take a rest between sets. Or if you ever do yoga, there's a little savasana at the end, a quiet few moments where you just get to integrate. Or even that little interim space between courses when you're out for a fancy meal. These are all periods of rest that don't fall into the category of sleep. In fact, rest has a broader definition than just sleep. In medical care, rest is defined as the behavior aimed at increasing physical and mental well-being, which usually involves stopping some activity. So while sleep is certainly a restful state, most resting doesn't involve the same level as disengagement as sleep. And Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, she did the most kick-ass TED Talk. If you haven't seen it yet, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But in there, she explained how, quote, we go through life thinking we've rested because we've gotten enough sleep. But in reality, we're missing out on other types of rest we desperately need. The result is a culture of high achieving, high producing, chronically tired and chronically burned out individuals. We're suffering from a rest deficit because we don't understand the true power of rest, end quote. I'd be curious to hear from you how that statement landed. Sometimes when I'm reading something, I can just feel it vibrating in my chest. It just feels so accurate. 
And so Dr. Sandra Dalton went on to explain the seven main types of rest, and I'm going to go over them with you quickly here. And in the spirit of not having to do all the things, I want you to keep an eye out for the one type of rest that perhaps resonates with you. Maybe you get that vibrating in the chest feeling, or it just catches your ear or attention, or it just makes sense, or maybe you're already doing it well. See which one of these stands out to you the most. So number one is physical rest, and that one's pretty straightforward. So sitting down or taking a nap or maybe even getting some sleep. Number two is mental rest. This is when we give our mind a moment of respite. It's recommended, Dr. Sanders says, that every two hours at a minimum, we walk away from our desk if we're working at a desk or from whatever the task at hand is and just let our brain think about something else or do something else for a moment so that it can restore itself. Another type of rest that I think is really interesting here and made a lot of sense for me is sensory rest. You see, our senses are just being barraged with information all day long. We've got lights blinking at us on our screens. We've got things dinging or other sounds coming at us left and right. There's different smells. There's changes in temperature or sensation. And so we really need intentional moments of sensory deprivation to undo some of the stress inflicted by this overstimulating world that we live in. I think about this a lot with my nephews. We have this thing called getting in the nest. And when they're feeling overwhelmed, they're allowed to come hop on Aunt Carly's lap and they'll curl up as small and tight as they can in a little ball in their imaginary egg for what sometimes is three seconds and sometimes it's three full minutes until they feel ready to do what we call hatching. They gently crack out of that imaginary egg and then go back on with the rest of their days. So for us as adults, heck yeah, you can crawl into your imaginary egg when nobody's looking, but you can also just turn off your screen for three minutes and close your eyes. Perhaps rub your palms together and put them over your eyes and let that additional bit of heat just soften the muscles on your face for a moment. Or maybe you do set an alarm for an hour before you're ready to go to bed to remind you to start to dim the lights a little bit. Perhaps turn off a screen or two or reduce the amount of sensations and information coming your way. Now, the fourth type of rest is creative rest. Now, this particular type of rest is really essential for anybody who needs to solve problems or have some new ideas. Because creative rest reawakens that sense of awe and wonder inside of us. It gets our curiosity going. This can look like just noticing beauty. So being out in nature, examining the edges of a leaf or of a tree. If you follow me on social media, you know I love to make these mandalas outside with objects I find, natural objects on the ground. You can see photos of them on Instagram. But this can also look like just appreciating the arts, looking at an image that you find beautiful or drawing something. You don't need to be skilled at drawing doodles count or dancing or looking at the works of other types of artists or poets or painters that you appreciate. In this way, we allow the brain to reactivate its creative center and refresh that part of our cognitive function. Now, I'm going to describe this one perhaps in a way you understand, especially if you're a high achiever, because we see this one crop up for a lot of motivated women. 
which is that feeling of being the person everyone counts on. And you like being in that role. You like supporting other people, but you also feel secretly resentful or maybe underappreciated or like you're failing in some way, even though other people celebrate you for how much you do because you can't get to it all. Well, that means it's time for some emotional rest or what Dr. Dalton Smith explained, quote, having the time and space to freely express your feelings and cut back on people pleasing, (laughs) end quote. So emotional rest really requires us to summon the courage to be honest with ourselves and with other people about what we actually need. And a person who is emotionally rested can then start to answer questions a lot more honestly. So for example, maybe you're like my dear friend Alana, and I love when I ask her, hey, how are you doing? And she'll say, I'm mostly good, (laughs) which is so honest. I'm mostly good. There are some things that are kind of tricky or hard or really challenging me right now. And she is allowing herself to be the fullness of what she is. It's also okay to say, I'm not okay or I'm having a tough time, or I'm glad to be here with you because other things are giving me a run for the money right now. We're voicing the things that need to be said. Now, if you're craving emotional rest, there's also a good chance that the next type of rest is also on the docket for you. And that is social rest. It is incredibly common, even for the grandness of extroverts, to have a social rest deficit. So this occurs when we're not discerning between the relationships that give us life, the ones that energize us from the relationships that drain us. And since most of the stress or lack of rest in our lives comes from the interactions we have with other people or our need to think about or replay those interactions later, I'm going to circle back to this in just a moment as it deserves its own entire section on what healthy social rest can look like even while interacting with other people. But first, let me give you the seventh type of rest here. And this is spiritual rest. And I'm not talking about religion when I say spiritual rest. Oh, that is certainly a place that many people connect with what bolsters their spirit. But what I am referring to here is any practice or place or person that gives you a sense of belonging or love, or acceptance, or purpose. So when we're in this space, we're feeling engaged with something greater than just ourselves individually. We're feeling inspired. We're feeling gusto, reinvigorated. You know, I have a friend who's an atheist, and the city does this for them. They love taking public transportation. (laughs) It was a downright spirit-bolstering experience for them. They feel like they are part of this beating pulse of community when they're riding the bus. And this was a form of rest that they desperately missed during COVID. And they had to get really creative about how to be socially spacious and still bolster their spirit by feeling connected to the city that they live in. So quick recap on those seven types of rest. Keep an ear out for the one that speaks to you. There's physical, mental sensory, creative, emotional, social, and that spirit bolstering type of rest. So let's talk for a moment here about resting in relationships. 
This is a really fascinating approach to being in a dynamic with another human being or group of human beings that allows the space of your interaction to be a restful connectivity. So an antidote to the busyness of our rather work-obsessed or hustle, do more, more, more culture. Now, we've got two main nervous systems, and I talk about this a lot whenever I'm working with people who notice that their nervous system is leaning towards that stress response, that fight or flight or fight response that we all know so well. Well, that's our sympathetic nervous system. And that part of our nervous system is responsible for our arousal and mobility for keeping us alert. But our parasympathetic nervous system, this is our rest and digest system, also needs to be engaged. So notice I didn't say one needs to be engaged more than the other. They both need to be engaged to allow for what Peter Levin calls homeostasis or relaxed alertness. So in other words, resting in connection depends on us having the ability to have this kind of back and forth modulation of our nervous systems, where in some moments we're feeling more activity And in other moments, we're feeling more relaxed, more centered, more grounded in our body. So we're not extreme in any one direction, because if we were just in that rest and digest space, we would be incredibly boring to be around. And having been raised in an ashram, I will tell you (laughs) that there are moments where I'm around people who have done so much yoga or so much meditating that when they speak, I just want to pull my hair out because they're moving at a snail's pace. They are not engaging with me. I just wish they'd go a little faster. And we all know people who are the opposite, right? Who are going a mile a minute, who drive us crazy because they ask questions, but they're not even listening to the answers. They're not present in the moment. We need both in order to form secure relationships. Secure relationships are likely to happen we're in that state of a more centered homeostasis where we can naturally ebb and flow between being more engaged and more active and being able to lean back and listen and be received. So secure relationships are relationships where we feel safe and we're able to be authentic and honest and supported. And so I wanted to bring this up as its own separate category. And we have so much research behind this that I have no doubt we're going to do an entire episode on the power of creating restful relationships and bringing that approach into the way we work or interact with family members. But I do just want to say right now that we want to keep an eye out for the types of relationships where things just seem to flow a little bit easier. And also notice the ones where you're feeling drained afterwards. And what I think is particularly interesting as we fan the flames of our awareness towards the relationships that drain us is it's not always the jerks. There are certain people that I have crossed paths with that I absolutely love. They are entirely enjoyable to be around. And yet when we are done, I've got a headache or I need to take a nap or I feel like I need to go journal or go be by myself again. And it took me years to recognize that nothing's wrong, but for some reason, this relationship does not serve me. And so I've got to be conscious about only interacting with those folks at time when my cup can handle, given a little bit extra. So I encourage you to just be aware of which relationships do you find that you get a sense of rest in, even when you're interacting. So we covered a lot today as we kick off this month of rest, 
We talked about the consequences of not getting enough rest. We also went over a few fascinating key benefits of getting good quality rest, especially how it relates to you being a leader in your own days. And then we went over the seven types of rest and a little deeper into the way we can have restful relationships. So I want to know from you, you don't have to remember it all. (laughs) That's the whole message of this show. But if you only remember one thing from today's episode, what stands out to you? And this isn't a rhetorical question. It might be something I shared or from an article that I referenced, or maybe it's just bubbling up organically within you. Really, I want you to tell me this. Go leave a review on iTunes or send a quick two-minute or less voice memo over to Anitza and let me know what part of this conversation around rest or what questions come up for you around what it takes for you to get the rest you need in your days so that I can speak right to what's going on and relevant in your world. Plus, then I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode and I would love to have your voice in here too. The moral of the story today is rest is not lazy. It takes courage in a culture that is convinced that hustle is better to dare to pause and go about things in a more productive, sustainable, and frankly, more scientifically proven to be effective kind of way. So remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including leveraging one of those seven types of rest as the magnificent tool it is to help you stand out and shine And I will see you again next week as we go a little deeper into an entirely new area of rest. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.